785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local or national. But doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Evening, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Balance and Brews. Uh, man, y'all, it has been a week. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, the legislature has officially hit the wheels are coming off the bus uh, section of the legislative session, so we'll have lots to talk about in tonight's roundup. And we are also super excited uh, to be joined by County Commissioner Aaron Mays. So we'll be chatting with him tonight to learn more about him and his role on the County Commission. But of course, as always, we want to start the night talking about beer and drinks. And so we are so, so excited to have our friends from the Pennant with us here again tonight. So, Alexandra, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely excited to be here, Angel. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you guys have a lot of exciting things going on. So we're really excited to, to talk about that. So, you know, first things first, we should talk about you guys have a new pop-up bar. We do. The pennant launched Shamrock Madness um, early last week. It's our latest St. Patrick's Day celebration concept. Um, awesome. We kind of wanted to take the idea of providing a fun, safe St. Patrick's Day for everybody who, you know, has been waiting for one for over a year um, and combine it with the excitement for March Madness coming back. I mean, March Madness was the first thing we lost last year. So we wanted to help yeah. the people to uh, provide some of the fun as it comes back. Absolutely. That's, that's such a great concept and a, and a great way too to allow people to, to celebrate um, even after St. Patrick's Day's pass. Exactly. You know, the big holidays over, you know, we had last weekend, which was great. We had a ton of people come out and yesterday was the actual day, which we also had great support from the um, city. So thank you, Topeka, for that. But yeah, I mean, we've got about a month, a little under a month um, left in the tournament. So, I mean, the tournament just kicks off today. I believe today the, is the first game possibly over now, almost over now. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, Very we're cool. we're just excited to be able to bring something fun and make it last a little bit longer into the year because I think we're all looking for a reason to keep having fun. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good reminder. I need to do my, my bracket, too. My bracket is very scientific. It's based on things like mascots and petty regional biases and things like that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. See, I knew nothing about March Madness or the NCA bracket or any of that um, prior to planning this event, and uh, I had to kind of learn on the fly this year. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, I have full confidence that my completely uninformed bracket choices are going to make a winning bracket and I will be the first oh, person in history to fill out a perfect bracket. Right, absolutely. Those are it's, it's, it's always uh, uh, folks like us who are just totally guessing that end up looking like super geniuses when it's all said and done. Exactly. I mean, who doesn't have West Virginia winning at all because West Virginia is right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, so when folks come upstairs uh, to experience your new pop-up, so what are some of the things that they'll find? So I know you guys have all kinds of really cool drink specials. Oh, our drink specials are, I mean, 
there you couldn't ask for more fun. We've got a cocktail that's a bowl of lucky charms. So if that's ever been your dream to eat cereal and have a cocktail at the same time, we've got something for you. Um, we call that our lucky morning. We've got our Irish trash can, which is a classic recipe for an Irish trash can, but it does come served in a little teeny tiny trash can. Um, you know, we wanted to do something fun with the classic Irish coffee. So we came up with an iced Irish coffee recipe. I mean, I think a lot of us prefer iced coffee these days anyway. Um, we've got the buzzer beater, which is a strong whiskey cocktail for some of the boozier drinkers in the building. I think my personal favorite is black gold. It's the, uh, first black cocktail we've ever had on the menu. It's completely black. It's meant to highlight the like neon colors of the, glass that's like the logo on the glass but it's got like little bits of gold in it and like you know edible gold in it and then it comes with like gold coins served on top (laughs) that's awesome yeah it's pretty cool very cool well that's all we're looking forward to trying some of those out and in terms of food special a food specialties you have going on as well we do we've revamped our ruben a little bit we thought it needed a little bit of love and attention uh we also did instead of doing a vineyards and mash which we did uh in years past we Kind of played with that recipe and made a bangers and mash stew. Um, oh wow! Yeah, pretty. Uh, it, it's very very good. Uh, definitely try that when you're in. Um, and then we've got Reuben fries, which are our classic fries, you know, that we're famous for. Um, and it's got Swiss cheese and corned beef and sauerkraut, and it comes with our spicy Thousand Islands dip in it, and they are fuego. Oh my goodness, that sounds awesome. Well, that's someone's gonna have to add that to my list now. Things to try when I go over there. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. How long does a, a pop-up run to? Um, it will run through the tournament, which I believe ends on April 5th, and we're talking about taking it down that next Monday, April 11th, uh, gotcha. or April 12th. So the last day the pop-up will be open will be uh, Sunday, April 11th. Perfect. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to make some plans uh, between now and April Love to head up there and check out all the great stuff happening at, at Shamrock Madness. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. And and as if there isn't enough, uh, or enough great reasons to visit the Penny, you guys also just announced uh, a new deal for Washburn students and Washburn faculty. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, we're starting our Washburn night back up. Um, I think that um, kind of pre-pandemic, we we were starting a Washburn night. We had some fun stuff going on, and um, it just, just like everything else, you know, COVID kind of killed the momentum on that. Um, sure. but you know, we want to be able to provide an experience for the teachers and students of Washburn and we want them to think of us as, you know, their favorite burger place. So, um, you know, we, we want them to feel at home. So we want to make sure they know that they are valued guests. That's awesome. That's what I believe that, you know, I think it's 25% off of, uh, drinks off of soda for, uh, students and faculty. And then I think there's also some special price, uh, cocktails as well. Yep. We'll have some fun cocktails coming out. Um, we're doing, and I know we're doing certain uh, drink specials. I want to say it's, uh, we're going to have a uh, domestic beer. We were talking about having hams as one of the beers. We're doing oh, yeah. a truly special. Um, I think we're still kind of trying to finalize some of the smaller details on exactly what the specials will be. Um, but definitely stay posted to our social media for updates on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I'm going to have to go dust off my old Washburn student ID to see if I can still pass as a 21 year old student. A junior in college, please give me GPS. Right, exactly. I am I am not too proud for that. Doing that, I always love to see uh, businesses building connections with with Washburn students like that, and, and, and encouraging Washburn students that are listening to this to make sure to check out your downtown. You know, this is your your community. There are lots of really great businesses downtown and throughout the community that that would love to have you there and, and love to have your support. Exactly. If you're coming to Topeka from somewhere else to go to school at Washburn, then you're missing out if you're not coming downtown. And if you're from Topeka and you're not coming downtown, what are you doing? You live here, you know better. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's never too late to explore your own community. Exactly. Well, very cool, Alexander. Before we get out of here, anything else uh, coming up that you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, we've always got fun stuff coming up. We keep a pretty interactive social media presence, so it'll all always be posted there. But definitely just always follow our page. We've got, I mean, our whole concept is to provide a fun experience for Topeka. So if that's your thing, stay posted because, you know, as COVID restrictions get lifted and we all start uh, moving towards a post-COVID situation, we're going to continue having all of that fun stuff we were doing before we did, you know, corporate Olympics. We'll continue doing pop-ups. We'll have summer drink specials, all kinds of fun new menus, Stay posted for sure. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, that's a great reminder to everyone listening out there. Make sure to follow the pet on social media. We'll make sure uh, to share their links out on our social media as well. Alexander, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Make sure to go visit Shamrock Madness before it ends on April 11th. And for those of you listening out there, go ahead and stay tuned. After this break, we will be back with the Roundup, where we're going to talk about the busy, busy weekend has been in state and local politics. So stay tuned. You are listening to Bouts of Brewers here on KSF 75.5 Radio. You're listening to Ballots and Brews on KSCF Digital Radio Topeka. For advertising opportunities, please go to 785live.com. Thanks for tuning in. Alrighty, folks, welcome to the roundup for tonight. Y'all, it was a busy week in the world of local and state government. So we're going to get right to it, starting as we always do with local government. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, the city, with city council, and they're meeting they had Tuesday this week. Um, so the four of the items up on the city council's agenda had to do with zoo funding. So just when you thought we were out of the woods uh, talking about the zoo, hey, woods, zoo, animals, that was a whole little pun right there. Uh, we are still talking about funding for the zoo. You'll recall, of course, that we did um, uh, a couple months ago pass um, the uh, public-private partnership uh, between the city of Topeka and the zoo uh, to allow for that partnership to move forward. And so while that does include some obligations on behalf of Friends of the Topeka Zoo um, on the private side, um, on the public side, the city does still have some obligations toward the zoo. And one of those is for capital projects. And so that's, you know, building, construction, maintenance projects, those kinds of things um, that the zoo, the city still has responsibility for. Um, and so they actually, um, at the council meeting, approved the sale of some bonds in order to be able to pay uh, for that capital uh, work. So it's going to get super nerdy here for about a minute or so. So go ahead and take a shot or take a drink or whatever you need to do uh, to get through a couple minutes of hearing about bonds. Uh, so, you know, just like private entities um, can issue bonds, municipalities, cities um, can also issue bonds. They can sell bonds um, and then can use uh, those proceeds to be able to fund projects um, that they're working on. So that is exactly what the city council did. Um, they sold, actually they sold and then actually refinanced um, some bonds they had 
uh, to the tune of about $35 million. And these are 15-year bonds um, that we're talking about that the city um, was able to put up for sale. They actually, um, by refinancing, uh, realized some savings uh, to the city, uh, for the city, to the tune of about $3.7 million um, that they were able to save the city by refinancing some of their uh, past bonds. These are called general obligation bonds, when uh, these are the type of bonds that cities, municipalities can issue uh, out to investors. And so um, they got a pretty good deal on those bonds by, by selling them and by refinancing the ones that they had as well as 15-year bonds. And so that $35 million will be put to use um, towards uh, facility improvements uh, and the like at the at the Topeka Zoo. Um, so just a little, a little tidbit there about work going on at the zoo. Um, the city also approve their budget priorities. So we talked about this um, before that, you know, the city is part of their budgeting process. Um, and one of the things that they do at the outset is establish budget priorities. Um, and so those budget priorities are really meant to kind of guide the uh, city council's work on the city budget as they get started. It's hard to believe it's going to be time for that, that process already. Uh, but they had some discussion a couple weeks ago um, on this agenda item, and then it was up for actual final approval um, uh, this Tuesday at the city council's uh, at the city council's meeting. Um, so, what those budget priorities look like again are uh, the set of things that they want to consider important as they go into the budgeting process for this year, um, and so. The, the budget priorities for going into uh, the next fiscal year, there are just a couple of them, um, but it includes investing in infrastructure. Um, and so that includes um, everything from um, looking at appropriate funding levels um, for utility work in the city, um, looking at long-term infrastructure projects like streets, utilities, facilities, that sort of thing. So infrastructure is uh, one of those priorities. Uh, priority number two, continuing a commitment to public safety. Um, so that, of course, means looking at how much funding is allocated to, to public safety. Um, it looks at, you know, looking at equipment, vehicles, uh, that sort of thing, public education and awareness campaigns throughout the city. Um, all those kinds of things um, are included um, within that priority of continuing a commitment to, uh, to public safety. Um, interesting sub-point there, one of the items under that includes continue working with community partners to implement mental health programming, including an alternative sentencing court. Um, so really looking at alternative ways um, to, to look at challenges in the community related to public safety. Um, priority number three, budget priority number three, is continuing a commitment to, uh, to developing neighborhoods. Um, so that includes things like community policing. Um, it looks at how you address um, issues related to neighborhood blight, neighborhood infrastructure, those kinds of things. Um, we've got priority number four. I feel like this is like a Letterman's like top ten list. So number four um, is selected strategic investments towards quality of life. Um, and so that looks at um, things that include everything from the Topeka Zoo, youth employment, the Topeka Performing Arts Center downtown, Visit Topeka, downtown Topeka, all those things that are affiliated with quality of life. So that was priority number four. And then number five, there are five of these all together. Uh, the fifth budget priority is improving fiscal sustainability. Um, and so that rounded out the, uh, the those uh, five budget priorities that the city has going into two budget seasons. So they've got investing in infrastructure, continuing a commitment to public safety, continuing a commitment to developing neighborhoods, selected strategic investments toward quality of life, and improving fiscal sustainability. Uh, should be noted, our friend Joe Ledbetter was back uh, providing public comment once again. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, 
here. Uh, Joe Ledbetter is kind of our model public citizen when it comes to uh, uh, showing up and, and providing public comment and feedback to uh, the city council. And so he shared his thoughts um, on the city's budget priorities um, as well. And so you know, he pointed out a couple of things, you know, one of those commitments or one of those priorities talked about a commitment to developing neighborhoods. Um, you know, in his mind, he said the greatest thing you can do to help de- uh, developing neighborhoods is to enforce codes um, and code compliance. Uh, he talked about quality of life and said he'd like the city <clears throat> to focus on having a clean city, uh, to having a better attitude towards upkeep of, of city property. Um, he talked about improving fiscal sustainability and saying that he would like to see um, something in there about any time there is a rate increase when it comes to city utilities to have a 60-day waiting period uh, before the increase goes into effect to have um, give people notice and an opportunity to to comment and be heard um, about that about that increase. Uh, so just a couple things that he decided to share as well. And again, just another um, example of uh, the public comment that you can provide uh, for city council members um, as they consider matters. Um, moving on from that, so that, that those budget priorities were approved. And so those will be the priorities as the city starts their budgeting process for this year. Um, one interesting note that came after that. So there were actually a couple examples on the city council's agenda this Tuesday of Times where clearly someone had looked through city ordinances and said, you know, we've got a lot of old junk and old crap in our city ordinances. It just needs to get taken care of. Um, you know, we've got laws, and it's funny, you see these all the time, you know, about funny laws or out-of-date laws um, that are on the books in different places. And so the city does periodically go through and clean those things up. Um, Councilman Spencer Duncan actually uh, introduced a, a uh, resolution um, that would repeal something known as the all-night retailers. Uh, license uh, requirement and I, I have to say when I first when I heard all night retailers license it, it got me interested I wonder what is an all night retailer because um, it sounded sounded almost a little shady um, but this is actually a special license um, that is still in the books um, it's still a requirement um, technically for any business that is open between midnight and 6am uh, to get one of these all night retailer licenses I think there's something like $40 um, this is actually something that a constituent brought up to Councilman Duncan and said, hey, did you know uh, that we still have this law on the book? It's a very old law. It actually stems back uh, from the Prohibition days. It was a way to uh, track those businesses that are operating late at night so that the authorities could essentially know who they are um, as they're trying to combat Prohibition and, and those kinds of things. Of course, a lot has changed um, subsequent to, to that era. Um, and so, you know, we now have things like liquor licenses that include that kind of information in there. Our, the status of law enforcement has changed since then. The way that policing happens has changed. There's just a lot of things that have changed uh, since then. And so this idea to have to get one of these special licenses and pay the $40 every year is just something that uh, businesses will prefer not to deal with, deal with and it's not really enforced that much from what people could tell. You know, there's there's probably, they said, hundreds of businesses in the community that this license could apply to um, that aren't, that probably aren't uh, paying and filing for um, the license. And so, you know, the whole thought was really, you know, this isn't being used, it's not needed, people aren't, uh, people aren't complying with it, we're not really enforcing it, so what's the point of really even having this still? Um, so this was still just a 
discussion item on this uh, uh, agenda. Uh, it will actually come up for a vote at a future uh, city council meeting, probably sometime next April. Um, side note, uh, Councilwoman Hiller actually brought up the idea, speaking of arcane language and city ordinances, of dance halls. Um, so we apparently have some language in our city ordinances that deals with dance halls and licenses and requirements around dance halls. So expect to hear some discussion about dance halls coming up at a future uh, city council meeting as well. It's, y'all, it's a city trying to get hit with the times. So, so who knows what they're going to be, uh, what they're going to be coming up with uh, next. But again, another good example of a constituent that mentioned something to their city council member and the city council member acting on it and bringing it up to the uh, the council's uh, attention. Um, and then the last big thing we'll talk about from their meeting, you know, we, we mentioned before, you can take another drink. We're talking about the Capital Improvements Project. So if you have that on your drinking game for tonight, you can certainly uh, certainly take a drink there. Um, the council spent a lot of time um, within the CIP talking about gas. Uh, not just any gas, though, biogas. Um, there's actually a great article in the Capital Journal that talks all about this. But basically, a little while ago, we decided to get all one with the earth and uh, make some money in the process uh, by capturing and selling biogas. Um, specifically, what they did was they took a look at the Oakland wastewater treatment plant over on the east side of town, and uh, the city implemented a system where biogas from that plant would be captured and then sold for a profit. Um, so this helps the environment, of course, number one. So Al Gore would be happy with us. Um, it probably helps some like penguins or whatever out there, too. Um, and it's estimated that it could net us a cool $1.7 million in revenue. Um, so y'all had no idea about biogas or what it does or any of that stuff. But apparently there's a couple things you can do with biogas. You can just release it out into the atmosphere. You can burn it in a flare or you can capture and sell it. Uh, well, right now, we are flaring uh, the gas, uh, which is apparently a thing, uh, while we work on constructing a pipeline that would actually pump the gas away to where it would be sold. Um, so now, in comes the company Southern Star, which is the company that we would be selling the gas to. Uh, Southern Star would like an additional $1.2 million from us for construction of the pipeline. Um, and it bears mentioning the cost of this project started at $20 million in 2018, and now the CIP is projected at $27.2 million in 2022 um, and comes this extra $1.2 million in construction. So city council members had some questions uh, about this project, had some discussion. Um, one of the first things uh, they brought up was it really should be noted that $1.7 million in revenue we talked about, uh, that's projected to come both through the, se- the sale of the actual biogas itself, uh, but also by taking advantage of tax credits. Uh, tax credits that may or may not actually be available in the future. Oh, and really important point, that $1.7 million, yeah, that's over 34 years. So don't go uh, making any plans and spending that budget just yet. Uh, so overall, the council really felt there wasn't enough assurance that this project really would pay for itself um, as it was originally billed and with the rising costs in the midst of everything else that the city has going on, um, they did decide to issue a stop work order until they could talk to some more companies and try to negotiate uh, a better price for for this project. 
Um, in addition to the city council, I'll also touch just real quickly on the planning commission meeting that happened this week. Uh, we did talk on last week's show about the Topeka Planning Commission getting set to uh, consider the downtown Topeka master plan. Um, they did meet Monday night, um, and the plan did receive unanimous approval uh, from the planning commission. Uh, city staff did make a presentation to the commission. Um, you know, they laid out and touched on a couple of different items during their presentation. Um, they went over some survey results um, about downtown uh, redevelopment. Uh, they pointed out a majority of those surveyed wanted to see a couple different things um, in their downtown. They looked at things like riverfront redevelopment was one of the areas that rated highest, as well as additional food and dining options downtown. Uh, when you look specifically at those folks who live downtown, uh, they, they uh, showed interest in those things, but also things like having a grocery store available uh, downtown. Uh, so the master plan takes into account lots of different items, um, and it's meant to, uh, they, they uh, went through lengths to point out that this master plan is really kind of a template. It is not all binding, and so they're going to continually tweak and work within this master plan. It really kind of serves as a guide um, for development, but it's not the end-all, be-all, final say in what actually is going to happen. It's meant to be kind of this template and guidance moving forward, um, but it takes into account things like a focus on walkability. That was another uh, priority and factor that folks identified, having a downtown that was easily walkable um, to go from place to place. Um, they really focused on making things, um, on having things that really draw people uh, downtown. You know, I mentioned last week that there are those different districts um, that they kind of split the downtown area up to, and each district, whether it's the Capitol District or the Van Buren District, each district has kind of its own unique identity um, and features and things like that, uh, rather it's residential or rather it's more commercial space or rather it's more arts and entertainment. Each of these districts kind of has its own theme to it. Um, the city planners also designed a number of what they call catalysts um, throughout downtown, which are kind of bigger features that are designed to kind of all link together and be within walking distance downtown. So that includes, you know, everything from a sports complex for youth sports, um, potentially um, uh, on the avenue, as well as a convention center and hotel that would be located downtown and, and things like that. Uh, of course, as we mentioned before, there are some folks who um, have some, some criticisms or questions about the plan. You know, there's questions about um, rather, you know, some of these dollars should best be spent on um, revitalizing other parts of the community. Um, you know, there are questions about the diversity and equity uh, represented within the plan. There were some tweaks made to, to accommodate some of those concerns. Um, and uh, city staff did end uh, with this quote, which I thought was interesting, where they said, quote, if you don't see it before you see it, you will never see it. Um, and so that was kind of what they used when talking about you know, having vision and being able to, to um, have some, some uh, foresight and thinking about what to anticipate in the downtown um, area. So this is by no means the end of the conversation about the master plan. It will now go to the city council for their final approval um, as well. So more conversations to come there. Uh, up to our friends at the county, the biggest news for them actually came just a little earlier uh, today. Uh, the county heard a presentation from Dr. Aaron Locke, the Shawnee County Health Officer, about the status of COVID rates in the community. Those rates continue to go down. I don't have any hip-hop reference or, or metaphor to make today. They, uh, but they are still continuing to go down. Um, they also unveiled the city's new COVID dashboard uh, that is now rebranded as a community health indicator. Um, and so I will say that 
myself and some other folks had some initial concerns um, when the commission asked for a new dashboard to be designed, um, thinking that you know they really just wanted something that would look better and make the numbers kind of look better. Um, but after getting to talk to the folks at the health department who were actually working um, on the indicator, you know, they really put in a lot of time to make sure that it's really the, the most accurate measure of where our community health stands um, at one point in time. And so they really put some good work and honest work um, in, into it, which was, which was exciting. Um, so I mentioned our cases are continuing to drop. So that means, of course, that naturally the commissioners then turn to what do we do about our current health order um, and restrictions and that sort of thing, as well as our mask mandate. Uh, to kind of kick off this conversation, each of the three commissioners had kind of a different, slightly different take on where they were at. Um, you know, Commissioner Cook was looking at wanting to keep um, the order in place for just a bit longer, knowing that we still have more folks that need to be uh, vaccinated. Uh, Commissioner Mays um, and Commissioner Ripon both wanted the, to, the orders to convert into um, uh, mostly recommendations um, instead of uh, the orders like they are right now. Um, and there's also talk about, uh, for one of them now, I forgot which one, um, about wanting to see the mask order also become a recommendation. Uh, so they heard from several members of the public and had lots of discussion. Um, where we ended up when all was said and done is that the current health order starting next Monday, starting this coming Monday, will in fact just be Become recommendations. So all those things about hours and social distancing and all that stuff starting next Monday just become recommendations, but they are no longer required. Um, the mask mandate in Shawnee County will stay in effect until April 12th. Um, and at that time, the city council or uh, county commission will review it again. Uh, so some changes um, coming up to things there as well. And then, folks, we get to the state. Uh, we got we got stuff to talk about happen at the state legislature, y'all. You know, there there comes a period during every legislative session where the wheels just come right off the bus, assuming that there were any wheels to begin with. And uh, we are there. We are so there. Uh, speaking of wheels, we should probably talk about the hottest story of the week, um, and that was the arrest of Senate Majority Leader Gene Solentrop uh, on charges of, or suspicion of. Uh, GUI, uh, fleeing or attempting to flee law enforcement, oh, and speeding, to just round out those those three. Uh, to put a fine point on it here, Home Slice literally got on I-70 from downtown and drove the wrong way down the highway. Uh, there are 911 calls and everything that validate this. Uh, oh, and it all happened at nearly 4 in the morning on Tuesday morning. Uh, I don't know who goes at hard partying on a Monday night. I don't even do that now, and I'm 32. This dude is 68. Uh, so I don't know if this is like an old white dude thing. I don't, does that, do you get, do old white people get turned up on a Monday night? Is it turned up or turned up? I need someone to clarify that for me. But anyway, um, this dude gets arrested, of course, uh, which means he has to first sit in jail hungover, which has to probably be the worst way to spend a hangover. Um, and also, just saying here, in the course of him getting arrested, how long do you think it took the officer to figure out this guy's name when he tried to tell it to him? I mean, I can barely say Solentrop sober, but can you imagine being absolutely hammered and trying to say Solentrop? I mean, I know he had his driver's license and all that, uh, but I just like to think of this guy's dumb self trying to say Solentrop after the whatever, like, eight whiskeys or whatever he probably had that led up to, to this point. Uh, so all that is bad enough, but then later that day, he goes before a judge, namely Judge Penny Moylan of the Shawnee County District Court for his first appearance, and judge lets the dude go, finding no probable cause to keep him and saying that the police report did not contain, quote, pertinent information. 
Now I should clarify just a very legal point here. This isn't the end of things. This doesn't actually dismiss his case. The first appearance really is about Jessette's determining whether there's probable cause to continue holding this person. Uh, now, I think most of us normal folk would consider driving the wrong way down the highway probable cause, uh, but apparently Judge Moylan did not. Um, but as I mentioned, it's not the end of the story. The actual decision about what he will be charged with uh, lies with the Shawnee County District Attorney's Office. Um, the Highway Patrol has indicated that they are working on finishing up their report and they will forward it to the DA's office uh, for their decision. Um, and then from there, we'll see. Uh, a shocker, I know, but this is actually not the first time a lawmaker has been in trouble for a DUI in Shawnee County. Uh, one of our own legislators, actually, Vic Miller, was arrested a few years back uh, for a DUI. It took his case about a year to be resolved and ended with a simple diversion agreement with the DA's office. Uh, now that said, the facts in Mr. Solentrop's case appear to be much more egregious, so it remains to be seen what exactly will happen. So y'all, that was how the week started. Uh, the chist, uh, for his part, Senator Solentrop did make it back to the state Senate on Wednesday after presumably sleeping, chugging lots of Gatorade, and hopefully ordering something from Poncho's. Um, he has taken it upon himself to pass on the majority of his, of his duties as Majority Leader uh, to Assistant Majority Leader Larry Alley while he figures out what he's going to do with himself. Um, and like I said, that was just the start of the week. Uh, this week, the Kansas Senate took up discussion of a bill we mentioned earlier that would ban transgender girls and women from competing in sports. Um, the bill was already ridiculous to start with, so it was a no-brainer that the debate over it would get ugly as well. Uh, opponents to the bill have repeatedly labeled the bill as a bullying measure that targets transgender ch children and adds to the shame and discrimination that is visited upon transgender children in the state of Kansas every single day. Uh, committee testimony by legislators and others alike pointed to the number of suicides of transgender students in Kansas due to the stigma placed on them by their communities. Nevertheless, uh, Senate Republicans doubled down on this measure during debate on the floor. And I'm going to just read the way the Kansas Reflector described the debate because it's pretty telling. Um, as they write, quote, By the time the Senate passed the bill on a 24 to 10 vote, the two and a half hour debate had ambled through clashing views on female empowerment, a showcase of male bravado, pleas for compassion, and references to underdogs, snowflakes, the superiority of men, and the wild west of genital exams. There were concerns about the legality of a discriminatory bill, how much the law would cost to defend, the lack of a definition for biological sex, a refusal to acknowledge the bill's author, and rather there is a need for a law when just five transgender girls are playing high school sports in Kansas." End quote. Uh, this debate really had it all, y'all. When the Democrats brought up the high rate of suicide amongst transgender youth, the bill's sponsor, Senator Renee Erickson, expressed regret uh, for the loss of life, um, and then somehow managed to pivot to talking about school closures due to COVID-19 and how that is leaving students um, feeling sad and depressed. Uh, there was also an interesting moment when opponents asked to know uh, who wrote the bill, um, because it turns out this bill's language reads remarkably similar to other bills introduced in about two dozen sta other states uh, by a group called the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, 
um, according to Alliance Defending Freedom, um, they believe that the homosexual agenda is out to destroy Christianity and society. Um, and so groups like Alliance Defending Freedom, this is something they do is they put out this what they call model legislation. And so basically legislators can go out there and, and grab the, this model legislation um, and it says, you know, insert state here and they customize it and then introduce it as their own in their respective state capitals. Um, at one point during all this debate, uh, a member of the House actually got in on things via social media. Um, at one point, State Representative Brandon Woodard, who is a, a Democrat from Lenexa and one of uh, three openly uh, LGBTQ members of the legislature, uh, he actually introduced legislation that would make it a crime to disclose the sexual orientation or gender identity of an individual younger than 18 in the state of Kansas. Uh, he said the bill was necessary, quote, because of the Senate's obsession with children's genitals. End quote. Uh, and then, to top it all off, you had this gem from State Senator Virgil Peck. Uh, the same Virgil Peck, mind you, who several years ago drew attention to our fair state by, quote, joking that illegal immigrants should be shot from a helicopter like feral hogs. So, just so we know who we're dealing with here. Now, here was his quote for tonight. Are we American men going to take a stand and defend our young ladies so they can receive a great scholarship to an institution of higher learning? I will. I'm going to take a stand. Some more questions. Have we men given away our man car to the snowflakes? Are we going to allow someone to carry our manhood around in their fanny pack or in their purse? Are there no longer any alpha males? Who will stand and defend our young ladies, our wives, our daughters, our granddaughters, our neighbors' wives, daughters, and granddaughters? I will. Yikes on bikes, y'all. In order to, to borrow a phrase from a friend of mine, yikes on bikes. Uh, this bill did actually pass on the state senate and now moves on to the house where I'm sure the debate will be just as special. And then, just when you thought the craziness was over, oh no, friends, it gets worse. Uh, so many of you will recall that state funding has been a bit of an issue in the state of Kansas over the last several years. Um, in fact, we've gone to court multiple times over this. We are, in fact, now under an order from the Kansas Supreme Court to ensure that we are providing sufficient funding to Kansas schools after finding that we hadn't been. Uh, so, when presented with the idea of, oh, I don't know, cutting $568 million in public education spending from the state budget, one would think that would be a bad idea, right? Well, my friends, if you haven't caught the theme here, apparently this week no idea was too bad for the Kansas State Senate to consider. Uh, the Senate passed Senate Bill 267, which would in fact cut nearly half a billion dollars from our public education budget. But there's a catch. Uh, so the state of Kansas, like all the states, of course, is receiving tons of federal aid for COVID-19 relief. The working idea right now among Republicans is, well, what if we just take uh, some of, of that money, that federal money, and use it to fill that gap in education funding, and we therefore save some of the state's general fund dollars to use on other things? Which sounds pretty brilliant in one sense, until you realize that we are talking about what hell of a game uh, one, there is no guidance on whether these COVID relief dollars can actually even be used for that purpose. Um, and two, more explicitly, the Kansas Department of Education has already uh, determined that these federal dollars cannot, in fact, be swapped for state general fund dollars uh, to be used on K-12 education. Uh, for their part, Republicans have promised they are not going to abandon uh, the education budget and have adopted a wait-and-see approach in order to see how the federal funds can be used. And so, presumably, under the Republican Republican plan, if it turns out we 
can't use these federal dollars and we apparently maybe will reinstate the state dollars, but no one's entirely sure if that actually will happen. And that, folks, is that. What a week. Uh, I probably should have warned you to pour a stiff drink right before this, but that kind of goes without saying at, at this point. So we're going to take a quick break, and then up next we have County Commissioner Aaron Mays. So stick around. It's going to be a great conversation. Stick around after the break. You're listening to Balance and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. We are so excited to have uh, yet another member of the County Commission with us tonight. We're going to have two out of the three after tonight, so we're making pretty good progress there. Uh, we are so excited to have uh, Aaron Mays representing District 3 on the, Shawnee, on the Shawnee County Commission with us tonight. Aaron, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Angel. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Well, you know, like we always do as we get started, why don't you tell folks just a little bit about yourself, about your background and that sort of thing? I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm a native Topekan. I was born at Stormont Vale um, <laughs> years ago. I'm a product of Topeka Public Schools. Um, I went to Topeka High and uh, graduated there. And then uh, after high school, decided that I was just going to stick around in Topeka. So I went to Washburn for my undergrad. Great choice. And then um, <laughs> several years later, I uh, went back to college um, at and did the uh, Baker School of Professional Graduate studies for my master's degree uh, here in Topeka, as well as their sat- at their satellite campus. Um, so I am uh, Topekan through and through. I've had um, several different careers over the years, primarily focusing in insurance and financial um, stuff. And then I became a lobbyist a few years back, um, about eight years ago, did that for a while. Um, I am not currently lobbying, but um, am now a full-time county commissioner. I um, was on the city council for a few years, and then um, when Commissioner Archer um, gave up this seat, I went for it and um, was appointed by the precinct committee people at the time, and then just recently elected um, for a full four-year term. So, um, doing that, I've a family life. I've got a beautiful wife named Tara um, who works for the hospital association. Um, she is not a um, born and bred Topekan. She <laughs> uh, moved here to go to Washburn. So we're both Ichabods. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, my kids go to one of them goes to Jay Scheidler Elementary. The other one goes to uh, Washburn Royal Middle School, uh, Winston and Truman. Um, seventh grader and a third grader. So awesome. uh, pretty, pretty active in the community as much as I can be at least. And um, having a, a great time in Topeka, Kansas. That's, that's awesome. Now, do you ever, uh, do you ever miss the lobbying gig or are you, are you glad to be on the state house these days? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm happy to be out of the state house. I mean, it's a, it's a fine job, but um, you know, I'm taking a year off at least. And so we'll see how things go from here. For sure, for sure. Now, you know, uh, you mentioned, of course, having served on the city council uh, prior as well. You know, what, what made you decide to want to make that leap um, into to running for public office? Well, so I've been sort of around politics my whole life. Um, you know, my dad served on the city council when I was in elementary school um, and then, you know, served in the legislature a little bit later in life. And 
you know, I never really had a desire to be an elected official, but I felt that as I got older and I got more involved in things, I felt like I could make an impact. Um, and so there were a couple of issues that were sort of sticking in my craw, I guess you could say. And um, I had a friend that told me, well, you should run for city council. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then when Elaine Schwartz announced that she wasn't running again, you know, I talked with my wife. And, and she basically told me it's time to put up or shut up. And so <laughs> I went ahead and ran and, um, and, and, it, you know, I guess the rest is history. So they say, <laughs> um, but I really, I, I really liked being on the city council. And then, uh, when this commission position came open, I thought I'd take a shot at that as well. And, um, it's been it's been interesting as well. So, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, it's been kind of a, a recurring theme. It seems when we talk to folks is that idea that you know you can only complain so much, and then after a while, someone says, "Well, what are you going to do about it?" <laughs> yeah, and and I don't want to make it sound like I'm I complain a lot. I, <laughs> sure. I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic person, and I, I, I'm. I'm really solutions driven. And so when I see problems, I like to try and find ways to fix them. Yeah. And, um, and the best way to do that is from a position, um, like, like County commissioner or city councilman. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you decided to run, was there anything that, that particular kind of surprised you when you first decided to run for office? No, you know, my background in politics, I had a pretty good idea what I was walking into with the city council. However, uh, with county commission, boy, you know, one of the things that really surprised me is how involved we would have to be with a public health crisis. Right. I uh, I didn't know that there was such a thing as the Board of County Health until uh, about a year ago when I found out that I was one of it. Um, And so um, I, I would say that's really the biggest surprise to me is. You know, when I got on the county commission, um, I thought we were going to be talking about parks and um, county roads and and the jail and law enforcement and things like that. And I I think that's what a lot of people thought county government was sure. up until about a year ago. And then um, we've kind of been thrust into this uh, role as the arbiter of, of health decisions in Shawnee County. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, if there's one, if there's one positive thing I guess to come out, that's that people have learned a lot about the role of the county commission in the, in the last year, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. It's although I'll tell you, it's a role that I'd love to be out of here pretty soon with yes. this, uh, the health pan- with the pandemic. So, Absolutely. Well, and you know, that, that leads into my, my next question there. Um, you know, obviously we've been monitoring that that situation. We've seen a lot of improvements um, in, in Shawnee County's situation for sure in, in about the last month or so. Can you kind of talk about where we're at right now um, in terms of our response um, in, in the county and how do you think we're doing overall? Uh Everything's going great, honestly, Um, about as good as we can expect it to when we compare it to other communities. We're making some serious headway, I feel like, with our vaccination plan. Um, And it sounds like we're getting more vaccines, um, you know, by the week. Uh, It seems like every week's a little bit better than the last. Um, So as we kind of look back 
on the past year, um, I found some statistics that were sent to me the other day by um, one of our emergency management people because we've been our emergency management has been in full activation for over a year now. Um, and they were going back and, you know, in the month of November, we were averaging 125 cases of COVID per day. And right now we're at 16. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really night and day from where we were just a couple of months ago, um, to where we are right now. And I think a lot of people can take credit for that, but really the vaccines I think have made all the difference. Um, and, and especially when you look at the hospitalizations and the deaths, um, it's, it's just been kind of a monumental, um, undertaking for the, for those pharmaceutical companies and, and they've executed well from what I can tell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We should let folks know, of course, uh, know that, you know, the health order we have um, in place right now, the last health order that was issued does uh, uh, lift up some uh, some restrictions that were in place previously, kind of expands mm-hmm. the caps on gatherings and that sort of thing. And, and so that order um, is in place, I think, until April 12th. Um, and then is that when I'll go back to you guys for a review? Well, it might come back sooner than that. So part of the decisions that we made the other day were um, that we would revisit everything and and probably make some more changes once the state moves to phase three of the vaccination plan, which um, happened much sooner than anticipated. (laughs) So the governor has announced that that's going to happen next week. And so um, I would imagine that uh, we would be revisiting this and um, and making changes um, pretty quickly, probably. Sure. So that's a, a note to everyone listening. So make sure we always remind you Mondays and Thursdays when the county commission meets. So be sure to, to tune in um, next week there and see uh, what changes might be coming um, to, to that health order. Uh, you know, on a non-COVID-related uh, topic, you know, of course, county commission has been up to a couple other things. And so one of the yeah. things that's been kind of making its way through the, the system is this uh, new uh, master plan for a new family uh, park that would go in um, out at 21st and Yurish. I kind of call it the family park and complex. It's quite an extensive uh, uh, plan and structure. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the significance of that project and kind of where it's at in the process right now? Yeah, I'd love to. So when I first got on the county commission, this was sort of the hot topic at the time. Um, I think a lot of people call it, you know, pickleball park or or something like that. Um, Although there really is so much more to this than pickleball. Um, I don't know why that seems to get all the headlines, but it is it is going to be a pretty cool thing. So the southwest part of Shawnee County, um, although it does have a lot, what it does not have are parks, um, especially parks with amenities. So this is an opportunity we've got. I think it's about a a little over 100 acres of land um, right at the corner of 21st and Urish. And so we hired um, HTK Architects to um, help us build a master plan. And so they've gone before the Parks and Rec Advisory Board and presented this plan. And then they've brought it to us as well now. Um, it really brings a lot of uh, cool amenities. Um, obviously, I doubt that everything on that uh, master plan is going to happen just because of the expense. Sure. Um, but, you know, we've we've essentially earmarked eight million dollars to build um, 
a, a portion of the park. And some of the amenities that were brought forth would be a dog park, some nature trails. Obviously, bathrooms are going to be needed. Um, pickleball was a component. They also had a bicycle pump track, which is kind of a cool thing that I'd never seen before. That's, I had never heard of that before. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really kind of neat. It's it's not quite a BMX track. It's more of like uh, smooth hills. And so the the, perp, the point of it is you can kind of ride from hill to hill with net, without really pumping your feet. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's kind of a neat little thing, though. There's a lot of cool YouTube videos on it, um, on those. But that's one component. They also had something on there called the Great Lawn, which I thought was great. And it's it's really just a big open field space with grass on it. And, you know, you look at it and I can imagine people out there playing Frisbee or having picnics with their kids or, um, you know, maybe we could set up the band shell and have, you know, movie on the lawns or, or yeah. little um, band festivals and things out there. So um, it, it really could be a, a cool park when we get it done. And um, I'm excited to see what what comes from it. Absolutely. So I know that I I, uh, I believe you guys saw a draft recently, and so that'll come back before you all for approval, probably sometime in the next month or so. Is that right? Uh, something like that. The um, the plan. What we're doing basically is accepting the master plan. So just because we've done that doesn't mean that um, things are going to look exactly as they do on sure. there. Um, a couple of the things that were proposed also were. Um, sort of a, a large indoor uh, arena type facility that could be used for hockey. Um, my guess is that's going to need a separate capital expenditure because it's going to be very expensive. Sure. Also, there was a golf club house um, proposed for Cypress Ridge Golf Course. Um, that's another component that's going to be pretty expensive. And so we'll have to evaluate how how we could possibly even um, get to making that type of thing happen. But, but yes, the master plan is, is pretty much completed. And so um, I don't know exactly what day, but that ought to be coming up before us before too long. Sure. Very good. And we'll make sure, of course, let you folks know that are listening uh, when that comes up um, as well. You know, we mentioned that uh, before public comment has been uh, hugely important to that process. There's a lot of public feedback that went into developing um, those plans. So it's a really good example you know, of, of how the public can really influence and have input on those things as well. Absolutely. Yeah, they did surveys. They did pop up um, survey events. They went to the swimming pool out there and interviewed people that were coming in and out. They've done all sorts of public outreach to get as much feedback as possible to, to really try and build something that the community wants and not something that the commissioners want. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, looking further out, uh, you know, what other uh, what are some other priorities that you know, you'd like to see the commission focus on? You know, once we get past COVID and, and get past some of these other things, what are, what are some other issues you'd like to see uh, the commission work on? I, I would say in the next year, kind of what I see us focusing really heavily on is our business's recovery from COVID. Sure. Um, the last year has really taken a toll on a lot of uh, locally owned companies. Um, some of the national companies, I think, have done OK. Um, but a lot of our local companies are going to need some help. Um, we've got a program that we're working on through um, the Joint Economic Development Organization, JADO, um, as well as it sounds like we're going to get some federal funding from this um latest uh, relief plan that we'll be able to spend um, on business relief as well. So hopefully those companies and, and local local businesses that have struggled throughout the pandemic, I think we'll be able to um, 
hopefully make them whole uh, or pretty close to it, um, you know, so they can survive through all of this and, and thrive in the future. Um, aside from that, though, you know, some of the things that I'd really like to to see happen. I mean, we talked about the Great Overland Station um, and and how the, the county recently acquired that property um, from the Railroad Heritage um, yeah. Group. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities there with the North Riverfront. Um, that, that we can see maybe not in the next year, but in the next couple of years, um, getting that venue to really see its full potential. Um, so I'm excited about that possibility as well. Very good. Very good. Yeah. It's, I was going to say, I think that that venue is, uh, is one of those, uh, things that, that I think we can often, uh, overlook. And so I, I think I'm excited to see that, uh, take mm-hmm. off, um, as well over there. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really cool. It's such a great building. And, um, you know, one, once we get past COVID and we can start having events again, I think um, we'll really get a chance to showcase it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned something earlier. We talked about this um, on our show a little bit, too. But you mentioned Jado. Um, and that is a body that I think people don't always um, know exists or sometimes it sounds kind of mysterious. Do you want to give folks just you know, a quick um, kind of description of what Jado is? Yeah, so Jado is um, funded by the Half Cent Countywide Sales Tax. It's a joint venture. Um, the joint of that is the city of Topeka and um, Shawnee County. So it's a board that is comprised of members of both bodies. So we've got um, the mayor uh, is the chairwoman this year. Um, that alternates from year to year. So one year it'll be a county commission, the chair of the county commission. The next year it'll be um, the mayor. And then we've got three members of the city council um, on that board. And, and what we do are economic incentives primarily. So um, we do the Go Topeka um, initiatives. And so they bring projects to us and maybe companies in Topeka that are looking to, or in Shawnee County that are looking to expand or um, move here. And so, um, yeah, so that's, we control the incentives for those um, among a few other things, but that's primarily the responsibility. Absolutely. And, and folks, you know, remind you, you can see those meetings, um, of course, televised or also shared um, on social media as well. So it's another uh, a great body to pay attention to. because There's a lot of work uh, that happens um, at that level as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here before uh, we let you get out here, we always like to have a little fun whenever we have elected officials on. Excuse me. And so we have a, a little lightning round game uh, to play with you. If that works for you. Okay, sure. Awesome. All right, so this is a, a lightning round of favorites from your district, and we should remind folks, you represent District 3. Do you want to describe a little bit of kind of what District 3 comprises of in the county? Yeah, so obviously the the boundary sort of zigzags in and out, but the easy way to say it is, is I always say basically east of Urish and south of 29th Street. So gotcha. primarily the southeast um, quadrant of the county, and then um, – a little bit of the Western, um, up to Urish road. So there are some other areas that I take in, um, kind of between Urish and Wanamaker, I go from 29th to 21st. Okay. So, um, I take that in as well, but, um, primarily South of 29th street. Very cool. So lots, lots of good stuff out, out that way. So our, our first question is, what is your favorite local restaurant in your district? Well, there's a few options, but um, kind of one of my favorites, and and this is probably because I'm, like I said, a native to Peak, and I've been eating there for years. Would be Blind Tiger 
Um, so it's, it's just sort of been a staple in my life since, since I was a teenager. So, um, it's, it's one of my favorite places to go. That's awesome. That's a good choice. Uh, favorite outdoor spot to relax in your district. Um, without a doubt, it's Burnett's Mound. So mm. I think it's kind of a forgotten uh, resource in yeah. Shawnee County. But Skyline Park up there, we've got about four and a half miles worth of trails um, throughout the woods. And then up to the top where you can have a 360 degree mm. view of Shawnee County. It's uh, it's absolutely beautiful up there. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have not been up there, I probably encourage you to go. It's a beautiful part of the, the city over there. Uh, your favorite attraction or thing to do in your district? I think Lake Shawnee um, is is a, a great attraction and um, getting better every year. So this summer we're adding a floating playground out there. It was actually right. supposed to happen last year, but because of COVID, it never actually got installed. So um, we've got the paddle boats out there. We've got tennis courts. We've got the uh, the yacht club that does their, their sailing out there. Um, we've got the fishing ponds. I mean, there's just so much at Lake Shawnee. Um, and and like I said, we're adding more every year. So uh, it'd be exciting, um, again, to see what, what happens out there in the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if you had to use one word to describe your district, what would it be? big um yeah, so and i think you could say the same thing about the other two commission districts there it's just tough to travel the whole thing um it's it, it's amazing um you know i'm at topeka and so i didn't get to the the rural corners of the the county very frequently until i was elected and and i'm always surprised at how far <laughs> some of these places are from, Absolutely. <laughs> from where i'm at it's yeah. a big county so for sure for sure uh what is one word you use to describe your hope for the future of your district one word um i'd say booming you know I've got there is a lot going on in my district right now. Um, most notably, I would say, is that Walmart distribution center. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, if you've driven by it, it's just <laughs> monstrous yeah. how large that place is, um, you know. And so that whole area out there with Mars um, and the Walmart facility with Target, Home Depot, Bimbo Bakeries, Frito-Lay. I mean, there's just so much out there in that what we call the Soto um, district. Um, but then not only that, our housing is blowing up right now. Um, areas in my district, like Lawrence Bay, which had sort of sat empty for a long time. Um, there, there's so much activity and building on those empty lots right now that, um, you know, the builders are having a hard time keeping up. So, I mean, we're, we're growing quickly and, uh, it's exciting to see because it's been a while since yeah. Topeka's seen this kind of activity. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is very exciting for sure. Um, and of course, we have to ask one last question because this is Balance and Brews. Um, uh, you know, if you had your choice at the end of a, a long day to, to kind of relax, what is your uh, beverage of choice to relax? It can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Uh, you know, um, I'm I'm kind of a local beer guy. And so I, I love our local breweries. Um I really like the Hoppy Bassett. 
Oh, yeah. Happy Bassett. They've got uh, Eric and Marnie do a great job with that IPA in particular. And so um, that's kind of my go-to. And and the thing that I really like about it is that I can get it at a number of uh, local restaurants also. So it's really one of the cool things about our um, kind of local restaurant and and beer community is, um, you know, they all work to help each other out. And so it's good to see that as well. Absolutely. It's good. It's one of my go-tos over there also. So good, good choice. Good choice. Also, Eric, thanks again so much for hanging out with us today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's yeah, great. Absolutely. Um, next time, next time we'll do it in person, though. Okay. I was gonna say, yeah, next time there will like, be actual brews involved. <laughs> next time, for sure. Yeah, that that would make it ideal. Absolutely. So, right. uh, yeah, for those listening out there, make sure to be stay tuned after this break. We'll wrap things up as we always do with our take action moment for tonight. So we'll see you here in just a moment. We'll be back after this break. You're listening to Balance and Brews here on Kesa Seven Five Live Radio. All right, folks, we are going to wrap things up tonight like we always do with our take action moment of the night. So tonight we are talking all about shots and not those kind of shots. So after hearing about the week it's been at the legislature uh, this week, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, Tonight uh, we are talking about shots as in the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, So I don't know about you, but the last few weeks have felt a little uh, Hunger Games-ish as people are are hunting around uh, feverishly for different places to find their vaccines. I have had, uh, myself, have had friends text me uh, to give me a lead on uh, vaccine sources available as far away as good old Hoxie, Kansas, which is a, a tiny little town out of Northwest Kansas, a good couple hours from here. Um, I do have to say, this feels a little bit like being a drug dealer. Um, I've never been a drug dealer in my life, but I like to imagine that this is what it might feel like. Um, but uh, one of the things, of course, that, that has probably fueled this even more, of course, is Governor Kelly's announcement this week uh, that the state is uh, now moving ahead to uh, not only phase three of the vaccine plan, but is actually combining phases three and four together. Um, Henceforth, probably kicking off a whole other feeding frenzy of people uh, seeking vaccines. Uh, So tonight, we, of course, wanted to first remind you of the importance of getting a vaccine. Seems pretty pretty self-explanatory given the demand that is out there. But again, remind you about just how important it is um, to get the vaccine in order to help slow the spread of of COVID-19 in our community. Uh, But the other big thing we wanted to do was arm you with uh, the latest up-to-date information on how to find a vaccine in Shawnee County. Um, And my hope really tonight is that you can share this information with your friends and loved ones and people in your circles uh, so that they can get their their shot as well. Uh, So the first things first, first thing to know uh, as as a a follow-up note about the governor's announcement. So, um, of course, the governor was right here in Shawnee County she actually toured uh, the vaccine setup they have at the Stormont Vale Event Center. It takes it's still take me a while to not say Expo Center, but Stormont Vale Event Center. Um, and she made her announcement there. Um, but one of the things that's important to know um, is that while the state is going to move forward into um, phases three and four uh, and combining those phases, um, the state still allows counties to decide how they're going to do that. So in Shawnee County, we have decided that we are actually going to move into phase three starting next Monday, um, but we're actually not going to move into phase four in Shawnee County until April 12th. 
So uh, basically, the state said you can, uh, starting next Monday, move forward and combine both these phases together, uh, but the counties still have their discretion about how they're going to do that. So in Shawnee County, we're going to start phase three on Monday, and then April 12th is when I'll start phase four. So we won't be doing the phases together, at least initially in Shawnee County. We still have a little bit of separation there. Uh, so who is who? Who is in these phases? So in phase three, uh, it's it's uh, fair to note that in both these phases, it includes a lot of people. But we'll start with phase three. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, phase three includes everyone aged 16 to 64 that has some kind of severe health risk. Uh, so this includes things like cancer, heart conditions, type 2 diabetes, and also folks who are pregnant. Uh, so it includes quite a few people in phase three. It also expands the definition of critical worker uh, to include social service workers. So yay for us nonprofit folks. Um, it also includes people in finance, so bankers and tellers, logistics workers, so people like truck drivers, construction workers, uh, communications workers, all those kinds of folks are included in phase three of the plan. Phase four, so remember, phase three, that's the one that starts on, on Monday. Phase four on April 12th includes, of course, all those folks and then adds in folks that have other types of, of diseases or, or uh, disorders. So things like type one diabetes, um, people with compromised immune systems, asthma, folks with neurological conditions, those kinds of things are added into uh, for phase four. And of course, includes everyone from phase three as well. Uh, so just want to give you heads up of who is included in those phases. Um, and now the big question uh, that people want to know is where the heck do you get your vaccine in Shawnee County? Uh, so uh, first off, we should let you know a lot of this information you can actually find on the Shawnee County Health Department website. They have a pretty comprehensive website that has an overview of, of all the information you could want to know about the vaccine. If you go to smco.us slash hd slash COVID-19 underscore vaccination. So snco.us slash hd slash COVID-19 underscore vaccination. You'll find all of the vaccination information for Shawnee County on that page. Um, some highlights. So, of course, for the hospitals, um, if you are a patient of Stormont, they have a process set up through their Fancy Pants MyChart uh, website online where you can log in um, through MyChart and schedule your appointment that way. Um, on the St. Francis side of things, they actually have a kind of assessment online that you take uh, where they log your information, kind of a survey essentially, um, and then based on how you answer that survey, they call you when, you're, when your time is up. So if you go, um, if you Google, you know, St. Francis COVID-19 uh, vaccination, or if you go to Shawnee County Health Department's website, you'll find the link to the St. Francis um, survey that you can take that gets your information logged for them to contact you. Uh, there also is a main vaccine information hotline for the county that's actually operated by Storma. And so that number is 785-270-4786. Again, 785-270-4786. You can call that hotline and get the latest information on vaccines in Shawnee County and be directed on where to sign up for vaccines by calling that hotline number. Um, and we'll have all these phone numbers and websites um, up on our social media pages 
messages um, as well. So make sure to, to check those afterwards. Um, there are also doses available at pharmacies um, all throughout Shawnee County. Um, so in Shawnee County, that includes uh, Dillon's, the Walmart pharmacies, Jayhawk Pharmacy, uh, Hy-Vee Pharmacy, um, and even good old Doug's Pharmacy up in Rossville. This is Doug. Doug's has probably done some pretty good business, I would imagine, in the last uh, last couple of weeks as people figure out that good old Doug's Pharmacy is, is giving out those vaccines up in Rossville. Um, one note about the pharmacies, if you don't qualify um, in any of these phases, so even if you don't qualify in phase three or phase four, um, some of these pharmacies do have some type of waste protocol set up, um, basically a way to make sure that they're not wasting vaccines at the end of the day once they've gotten through everyone that has appointments that day. If they have extra vaccines left, they obviously don't want to throw them away. Um, so many of, the, of these uh, uh, pharmacies have a process set up that you can sign up to be on kind of what they would call a waste list. Um, and so if they have extra vaccines at the end of the day, they'll give you a call. And this really happens, um, especially I'll put in a plug for the Walmarts in town. Um, they're doing the, they uh, are doing those vaccines at two of the Walmarts in town, the 37th Street Walmart and the California Street Walmart. And both those Walmarts have that waste protocol. So that means that once they get through their vaccines for the day, everyone that's scheduled and they have extra vaccines, they'll start calling folks um, from that wait list. And all you have to do is be put on there once and then you're, it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in. Um, and then you are on that list um, for uh, for uh, the time going forward and they'll just give you a call um, and they'll ask you how soon you can be there. They have actually gone through quite a few people um, on their wait list in this last week. Um, so it's worth exploring. Um, and you know, you can sign up for both stores if you want to kind of get as maximum coverage as possible. I know there's a lot of people that have signed up for lots of different locations in town, um, but the Walmart uh, list seems to have been really successful uh, for folks. So just call over to the pharmacies um, at the 37th Street Walmart and the California Street Walmart and ask about their waste protocol and being put on their waste list uh, to receive your your vaccine. Um, one thing to note too, Stormont Vale actually does have its own waste protocol um, as well. They call it their end of day call-in waiting line. Um, so theirs is a little bit uh, not tricky, but it's a little bit more strict than um, perhaps the waste list at Walmart and that sort of thing. Um, so in order to get put on Stormont, you just call that main line we talked about earlier at 785-270-4786 number. Um, that number opens at 8 o'clock in the morning and they, for their waste list, they take the first 10 callers. Uh, so it's like a radio show. You've got people that are like waiting to dial in uh, right at 8 o'clock in the morning. So you've got to be right on it uh, because they only take the first 10 callers. And those first 10 folks are just guaranteed a spot on the list. Not guaranteed that they'll actually get a shot. They're just guaranteed that they'll be put on the list. Um, and then what Stormont does is at the end of the day, I think it's around 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they look and see um, if they're going to have any uh, vaccine left, and then they start calling people off of that wait list. Uh, one thing to note, unlike the lists at Walmart and some of these other places, the list at Stormont doesn't roll over from day to day. So in order to be put on the next day, you have to go through the process all over again and call that number, um, that 785-270-4786 number again at 8 o'clock the next morning to be put on that day's list. So your names do not roll over um, at Stormont Vale system. But there are also people who have gotten their shots uh, that way as well. Um, 
so again, you just gotta be right on it at eight o'clock in the morning to get your name added in to be one of those those ten people um, that Stormont takes on that waiting list each day. Uh, so just a note about that. Um, another uh, website resource, not just for Shawnee County, but actually the whole state. Uh, don't forget is KansasVaccine.gov. Um, on that website, that's of course operated by the state. You can find all kinds of information about the vaccine, including where to get it near you. Um, so I encourage you to check that site out, share it with other folks, and really all this information we're talking about, all this information that you can find on the Shawnee County Health Department website, I strongly, strongly encourage you to share it with other people. Um, I know, I know that people don't think it's, if you're sitting around with your friends, I know that someone's probably thinking it's really lame to say, hey, let's talk about vaccines. Uh, but I encourage you, if you have that moment, um, to talk with other folks who may not have had a chance to get their vaccine, I highly encourage you, share this information. It's good and accurate information, and, and accurate information could not be any more important um, to spread right now. So I encourage you to have conversations with folks, um, especially those that you think might be hesitant about the vaccine. Um, you know, we've talked, uh, there, there's been talk in the community about, you know, reaching out to, to minority groups, for instance, um, that might be feeling more hesitancy about the vaccine. I can say this as a Latino myself. I know that there's work to do within the Latino community uh, to convince folks that the vaccine um, is safe and that it is something that they can trust and take advantage of. Um, and so those are, are, are sometimes hard conversations, but conversations of, that need to happen um, in order to make sure that everyone, uh, as many people as possible, are taking advantage of uh, the COVID-19 vac- uh, vaccine in our community. The sooner we can get shots in the arms of folks, the sooner we can slow the spread of this horrific virus. We are we are doing so good in our trends right now. You know, that, that trend in Shawnee County has been downright. I think there's, when I looked at Shawnee County's dashboard for last week, I think there are only something like 50-some cases in Shawnee County. So we have made huge progress um, in, in a year. And so in order to continue that progress, we really all need to be to do our part um, to get our vaccines, um, to make sure that we can, we can do our part to slow the spread of that virus. So please, please, please share this information uh, with those folks in your life. And as I mentioned before, this will be all up on our social media, which is a good segue, good reminder that if you do not follow Ballots and Brews on social media right now, it's okay. Our feelings are hurt, but it's not too late to change either. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Just look for Ballots and Brews um, on Facebook. On Twitter, we are just at Ballots Brews, so you can look us up on Twitter. You can follow us along during the episodes. We like to live tweet each of our episodes and put out fun behind-the-scenes information and additional information for more reading and things like that. So be sure to follow us on there. Um, and if you don't already, uh, be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts. We're super excited uh, to be on Apple's podcast app. So you can subscribe to us on there so you won't miss any of our latest episodes um, as they come up. So feel free to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review while you're while you're there as well. We love that. Um, so again, you know, thanks so much for, for joining tonight, for listening in on, on everything we had to share because it's, it's been a busy, busy week, y'all. Uh, so thanks again for, for tuning in. As always, please, please, please stay safe. Do all those things that we know we're supposed to be doing. Wear your mask, wash your hands, keep your social distancing up. We are making such good progress, so let's keep it going. Um, in the meantime, also make sure to drink some good beer, and we will see you next week here on Ballots and Brews on KSF 785 Live Radio. Right here is where I would say, now for a brief word from our sponsors, but I'm just sitting here waiting for you to put words in my mouth. So, for advertising opportunities, go to 785live.com.